And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. It's episode number seven. Um, and we have our usual suspects on today. Myself, Derek Wolf from Over the Fire Cooking, and Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill. And we are going to be kind of diving through our normal format where I ask them what they've been cooking recently that they're excited about. And then we'll see where it takes us. And we're going to start with Mr. Derek. What is something or some things that you've been cooking recently that you are inspired by or you're excited about or something you want to tell us about? Oh, man. Um, Tons of cooking that's been going on over here. Uh, I think... I, you know, I've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, it's really been, uh, this time of year is really fun because it's a little less about like all the classic styles of grilling. Um, and you can really get into doing some, some fun twists on things that maybe people didn't necessarily think about. I know, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but, um, a couple of weeks ago I did a Matambre pizza, uh, actually I did on flap steak. Um, so that was a lot of fun, <clears throat> uh, cooking a, a flap steak, um, with, uh, some pizza sauce on top of it with cheese and pepperoni and some olives. You can kind of do whatever you want. It's actually a very classic Brazilian, uh, way of cooking. Uh, and then I recently did, um, it's a churrasco de frango, um, which is, uh, basically, it's chicken um, marinated in a piri-piri sauce uh, with a ton of garlic and a bunch of lemon. Uh, so you end up having this really um, tangy, spicy, uh, citrusy chicken. Um, I opted to use chicken tenderloin um, and or chicken tenders. Uh, and skewered them together, and then I, uh, which is the part of the whole churrasco uh, aspect, um, is using the skewers, and then I uh, put it over the fire for a couple of minutes uh, and let it cook, and then I saved a little bit of the marinade before it uh, touched the raw chicken, so I was able to baste it. Uh, And yeah, that was absolutely delicious. Um, But I think it's been fun to even think about potential holiday recipes, so I'd love to talk about that a little later as well that is um yes exactly i think we'll be able to dive into that my i'm still kind of stuck on the first thing you uh brought up what explain the pizza steak to me like how do you serve that do you serve yeah. like do you like in like slices with like garlic sauce for dipping like like how how <laughs> i mean it's obviously, it's obviously not uh yeah how, how do you serve that or how is it how does it even work yeah so it has been really funny. The reception I've received is either people really love it or they absolutely hate it because the truth is, is it's not an American way of cooking or even a thought of an American way of cooking. Right. Um, we really, uh, Americans really don't want to do anything special to their steak except maybe salt and black pepper. And if you're, and if you're a chef um, doing like a butter bath or an herb, uh, like butter bath is a really big deal as well. But outside of that, we don't want to do anything else to our steak. Whereas um, a lot of South American countries, um, f- you know, sometimes feel the same way, but every once in a while they have these weird different cuts. So Matambre is actually very, uh, it's close to the area of where uh, flap and uh, skirt steak come from. Um, and anyway, <clears throat> it's really awesome. So Matambre is difficult to get inside the United States just because a lot of butchers 
don't necessarily know um, <coughs> exactly what the cut is. Uh, but basically the idea is Matambre is, uh, it's a pretty, uh, difficult cut to cook, uh, because it really doesn't have, it, it has a lot of intermuscular fat and it's really f- thin. Uh, so what, how the, um, how a lot of the Brazilians will cook it is they will cook it low and slow over an open fire, uh, for like four or five hours, basically. Right. Um, to really break down everything that's in it. And then because you lose a lot of flavor or a lot of other things going with it. Um, the, and the other funny thing is I had no idea, but, uh, you know, uh, pizza is a huge, huge thing in South America. Um, mm-hmm. And they do it very differently than uh, North American pizza or even Italian pizza. Uh, and so what they'll do with the matambre is that because they just love pizza and it's been cooking for so long, they'll add a, a marinara sauce on top of it and then they'll cover it in cheese and then they'll add their favorite kind of toppings, whether that's um, pepperoni or whatever they want to do. Uh, and then they, um, you know, they let it, everything melt. And basically it's like a steak pizza. Uh, and so how you end up serving it is you just slice it kind of like a um, like steak, but it has all the toppings and people just go goo goo over it. So um, Matambre a la pizza is, I mean, just people love it. So I did a, a kind of a similar idea because I couldn't get Matambre. I ended up going, uh, opting for flap steak, which is, um, very similar, uh, to skirt and, uh, you know, to flank steak and stuff like that. It, it has kind of the thickness of flank steak, but it cooks a lot like skirt steak and has the, um, grain structure a lot like skirt steak. And so uh, fun thing with that is basically my idea was um, I would sear it really fast because it cook it doesn't cook as fast as skirt because skirt's a little thinner, but it cooks pretty quickly. Um, and you just sear it really fast on one side and then you sear it on the other side. And then I pulled it off um, to cook indirectly for a little bit. And then as it was getting closer to the ideal temp, I added some spicy marinara on top of it and some mozzarella cheese. And I did pepperonis and olives. Yeah, I just as you were talking, I just refreshed my memory, went and watched your the video recipe you put together on it. And it actually looks really good. So when you like tried it, was it like what did you like were you in the love side or the hate side? <laughs> yeah, so I I loved it. I thought it was fun. I but I also um man, I just have a knack for loving stuff that like maybe people don't necessarily want to love immediately. Mm. Uh so I have really like, you know, I got a lot of people that were like, that's sacrilegious when it comes to steak. Right. Um, and in and in all honesty, like when it comes to American ways of cooking and especially Western or even European styles of cooking, it probably is. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, people don't put cheese on top of seafood, but they love lobster mac and cheese. Right. So it's like. I don't know until you try it. Don't, don't knock it. And so it was, it was so delicious. It, you know, it'd be definitely something that I would 100% cook at a big party um, because it feeds a lot of people. And it's just like that shock and awe. Plus who doesn't like pizza and who doesn't like steak. Right. So yeah. Hey, I'm sold. Christy, do you have thoughts? I, I think that I want to eat some of that right now. <laughs> I'm just 
sitting here going, great, peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch just isn't going to cut it. <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds fantastic. I haven't done that yet. So uh, that's that's really cool. I have I have seen it done before. But yeah, you're right. You know, it is funny about the lobster mac and cheese thing, because that's that's something that people get really tripped up over just probably because we've heard it like on, you know, some food shows growing up, like don't mix those two. But there are definitely times when when seafood and, and cheese go together and steak and cheese always go together. So, yeah. Well, and you, it, you, it kind of makes sense logically because both seafood and steak benefit like crazy from the use of butter, which is obviously a dairy product that's very related to cheese. So mm-hmm. it makes sense from a flavor profile standpoint that they would also jive well uh, with cheese. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so moving to you, Christy, what you got going on over there? Yeah, so uh, past couple weeks have been really barbecue heavy. Um, went to Tennessee, went to the Jack Daniels World Championship Invitational Barbecue, and um, judged that, and that was amazing. So had a, another meat coma, tasting all that fantastic food, um, <laughs> and it was just really fun to be down in Lynchburg and down in the Tennessee area. Um, fall leaves are changing and all that stuff, so that was awesome. Um, then got back to Vegas, um, did a little bit of leftover smoking actually. So when I trim up my briskets and my pork butt and all that kind of stuff for competitions, I trim it down pretty small um, because all we have to turn in are those six pieces. And so that gives me a lot of excess meat that I never throw away. And people on on social are always like, you're wasting so much meat, but I promise you I'm not. So the the trimmings from my brisket, um, some of it I smoked up and just basically had like these little teeny briskets. It was awesome. They cooked in like four hours. Um, And then I ground up some of the the meat with the fat as well. And I've got some some grind going that's probably a 70-30 blend, 70% meat, 30% fat. So those are going to make some killer burgers later down the road. Um, and then I helped my father-in-law. He cooked um, some pl- short plate ribs for the first time. I gave him a slab of those with three bones. For those who don't know, those are the really big dinosaur bones, people call them. I mean, they're just huge chunks of meat. And and he nailed it. Um, my technique is usually about 250 to 275. Um, I give them a nice rub, a um, little bit of sweetness in my rub, a little bit of spice. And they usually just go for about five hours. Um, there's different techniques. Some people like to wrap them, like to pour a little broth in there. I prefer actually not to wrap my short ribs. I just cook them straight through until they reach an internal temp of, I don't know, like two or three to two or five usually. Um, and just until they're totally soft, like butter, um, leftovers make fantastic tacos cause they're, they're really rich. So you want to cut that fat with, you know, something like, um, a corn salsa or, um, some cilantro or, you know, even some jalapenos or something. So I, I think they make fantastic tacos, but yeah, so heavy on the barbecue scene. Um, and then also playing around with some, uh, some, uh, Salt River Copper Salmon. Um, I had some beautiful fillets that we had left over from Social Feasts and got some inspiration from David over at uh, Live Fire Republic. He was, the way that he decorated his fish as he cooked it, I should say decorate, but I mean, it was, he was using aromatics and, and, you know, citrus and, and edible stuff, but it, they just look so beautiful. And so I wanted to give that a shot. So did a Cedar Plake Salmon um, the other night, uh, straight over the Brio. Um, and I basically, I decorated or I garnished it with, um, sliced kumquats and fresh cranberries that I halved some, uh, crushed up pistachios, some green onions, and a little bit of sprigs of rosemary, um, and put that over the brio. Uh, the temperature was probably like medium, medium high. I could hold my hand over the fire for about four seconds before I wanted to pull it away. And my kind of signal for knowing when salmon is done is when you start to see that white liquid, which is actually a protein, kind of start oozing out of the seafood, then you know that it's starting to reach that internal temp. Uh, but the goal temp is 145. So yeah, it was, it's kind of what I've been doing the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, that salmon looked really, really good. I just, I think I shared on our story. And I, was that your first cook on the Phoenix? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was and, fantastic. <laughs> so did you like, and that was kind of a, as I was watching the video, um, I was wondering if you were going to, like, if you were going to just let it completely cook, like through the plank from the bottom up. And it looked like that is that what you did? Like, did you cover it with foil at all? Or did you just completely let it cook from I the didn't. bottom up? Yeah, yeah, I completely let it cook from the bottom up. And then the, the thinner part of the salmon was more well done than obviously the thicker part of the salmon. But sure. my husband, that's his preference. He likes everything well done, even even a steak and his pork chops. But <laughs> I still love him. Um, so I knew that because, because of that, it, he was going to be totally cool with that side of it. And then right. that's also... Um, yeah, I, it it worked for me, and it was really tender. It was really juicy, and definitely give kumquats a try. I know that's like a strange sounding word. It's just like a tiny little orange. the um, The skin is pretty tender, and it's actually it's edible. You can eat it. So, like normally, you would peel an orange, but with kumquats, you can just eat the skins. And I learned that judging a competition years ago, somebody had a recipe with this kumquat salad and pistachios, and um, you diced up the kumquat, and she made this like relish out of it. And so, when I sliced them thin, took made sure the seeds were out, but and just laid them across the salmon. When you take a bite and you actually eat that that kumquat skin and the kumquat um, flesh mixed with the crunchy pistachios and fresh cranberries. It was really, really flavorful and really delicious, really balanced the salmon quite well. And it, it was obviously like the, the, the slices of that also really added to the effect of plating the whole salmon, right? Cause it's a really cool looking garnish. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. The contrast, the, the colors. I mean, obviously the green pistachios and the, the sliced green onions with the rosemary, that contrasted really well with the, the flesh of the red salmon. But having the little pops of orange and cranberry just really give it a little bit of a festive twist to this time of year. I'm starting to feel the holidays. <laughs> yep. Well, we're getting close. Yes. And that's a segue to what I have some questions for you guys on. Um, we're heading towards, we're like, three weeks from black friday i mean from, wow. from, from well not from black friday it'd be three weeks in a day three weeks from um one two three yeah from from thanksgiving um so i am with my wife's family we always do thanksgiving together and it's the same group of people that i did i don't know if you guys remember that july 4th cookout i did for like three days straight we just did like a a sea of meat basically all kinds yeah. of stuff. yeah yeah well so what i want to do this this year um, th- there are a lot of pe- people in my wife's family are foodies and they're, you know, they're really good cooks. Um, and I want this year to do the whole meal all over fire. So my idea is it's about, about 20 people. So my idea is to do two small, this is coming from a tip from you, Chris, I think on our last podcast or the one before, rather than doing one large bird, do two smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I'll do two smaller turkeys over the Phoenix um, just like, you know, hanging from twine, um, one on either side of that, of that kind of that kettle hook that has the new kettle hook has the two, the two sides. Um, and then where I'm kind of, what, what I kind of want your opinion on is a, is that a good idea? And then B, what are sides that I can do that are very like Thanksgiving themed that would be relatively easy to do over fire? Do you guys have any ideas on that? 
I actually love that, love that you're doing this because about five years ago, um, we did exactly that where we took the adventure and we said, you know what, we're going to do Thanksgiving, almost like, like the pilgrims. Like we wanted to say, let's, let's take, get away from our ovens. Let's get away from everything. So we went to death Valley and we went camping. I mean, we had the RV, so we had some luxuries, you know, like a sink and stuff, but we did, we cooked the entire meal over fire. So I think it's, I think it's totally awesome that you're doing that. Some of the things that we did, um, for the mashed potatoes, we actually just wrapped our potatoes in foil and threw them down with the coals until they baked through until they were nice and tender. And then right. we mashed them up, you know, outside of the grill and, and you know, poured in the milk and the butter and the eggs, I mean, not the eggs, excuse me, the milk and the butter. Um, so obviously that's an easy one. I do a mac and cheese on the grill all the time. I have a campfire mac and cheese recipe where you just basically make up um, a bechamel sauce, which is just some flour and some butter. You make that roux and then pour in some cream, add in your cheese until it's melted um, and pre-cook your noodles. That's one of the things when I go camping, I mean, and you guys know this, but like do as much mise en place, as much stuff as you can do ahead of time where you can pre-slice all those veg that are going to go into your stuffing, um, pre-cook any noodles that you have things like that will make it a lot easier when it comes time for that final prep. Um, and stuffing, I mean, with the Brio, that's awesome because you've got where you're hanging, but you also still have, you have the opportunity to put in the grill grate, um, you know, the rack there. So you can still do things like stuffing or, um, I have a, like a harvest, um, wild rice kale salad that I do. That's really nice on the grill. Um, a whole Brussels sprout stock is really cool to do too. You could throw that on there. I weave mine with bacon and lemons and cook it for about 45 minutes. So yeah, lots of things you can do out there. Wow. You're just like ready to go, Christy. You just, (laughs) I love Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) You you and my wife would get along. It's like her favorite holiday. And she's because I'm from Canada. So I first experienced like a true American Thanksgiving. She was like very much like, you need to understand this is a big deal. And there's there's a lot of good food. And, don't uh, don't forget the gravy. Just don't forget right. the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, maybe I missed it, but did you mention cranberries anywhere? I didn't, but I do a cranberry sauce um, from scratch uh, where I just take like fresh cranberries and I boil them down with some sugar in a pot. So you could definitely do that over fire. And then I add in um, some orange marmalade or sometimes some apricot marmalade um, just to kind of give it that jellied effect. So yeah, that's pretty simple to do too. Or you oh. could buy the canned stuff with the rings all jellied into it. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> no. Now that that can't make it on Instagram if that happens, right? <laughs> right. Not, not a How fan. The turkey. How? how? Yeah. Basically, exactly. I mean, Francis Mullen style, bro. I mean, exactly how we did that big old huge hen. Um, yeah, just hanging it. Yep. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Y'all need to make a rotisserie. What's that? Y'all need to make a rotisserie. TikTok, my friend. Because <laughs> that's how that's how I'm doing it this year. Well, I'm doing yeah. that, and then I'm um, I'm doing hanging uh, turkey legs. Yeah. So nice, nice. See, and the only the, the close I've done is when we were still living in our camper. I did Thanksgiving for us all on a brio, a small one. But I did I did like tur- two turkey drumsticks, and then I did um, like a simple like pre-made stuff and keep in mind that we were like in a camper way back in and just some i think i did uh a dessert of some kind i forget what all i did but it was like five years ago now but what i, I really want to do this year i think it was really going to impress the family is if i can pull off the whole bird you know that's kind of like the the holy grail of thanksgiving is the whole bird so um if i can do it hanging i'll be very uh happy and what's giving me hope is that you just did it christy yeah and so, uh, i'm gonna be texting you on thanksgiving sure. 
The only thing I would recommend is um, you could, uh, and I've yet to do this, but you could take out the backbone uh, since it is such a, you know, turkey's a lot bigger than the average chicken. Um, you could definitely take out the backbone, just not break the, the breast. Uh, right. So you're not really fully spatchcocking it, but you're just taking out that ca- that air pocket cavity. Um, so then you'd still really- you'd still wrap it tight, is what you're saying. Like you take the backbone out, you still wrap it tight in like a yeah. bundle, but it would just be you wouldn't it would cook more uniformly and faster <clears throat> because you don't have that dead space. Right, and that um, the only thing you'd have to do is just make sure that like however you wrap it, obviously that creates a um, like a whole separate issue is because you've taken out the backbone, you've kind of taken out structural integrity of the whole Turkey. Right. Um, but what you end up doing is really being able to, I know there's a, um, there's actually a restaurant in New York city, uh, that cooks over fire and they use, um, uh, I think they use grills by DeMont. Um, so they basically hang uh, a ton of chicken uh, but the way that they do it is because every time I've hung chicken, it takes like six or seven hours at least. Right. Um, and the issue with that is like, you know, if you're going to do that in a restaurant, you got to do something different. So they take out the backbone and then they wrap it really nice. Um, right. And then they'll, you'll end up being able to to utilize it a lot easier. Um, That's a really good tip. That yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. Try it out. I, you know, that, you know, I, I'll, I be anything. I'll try it out. <laughs> Because that's the thing I'm concerned about is cook time. I'm planning to get yeah. started like way early um, yeah. and maybe shoot for like plating it, like maybe like a early afternoon, one or two o'clock, something like that. Um, but uh, I think that would be kind of cool too, just to see how it would work. I'm not really worried about falling apart. I mean, I can just tie the heck out of it. Um, you know what I mean? Just go around it at every pressure point and I think it'll stick together. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I recommend doing that anyway because what I did find is that it needed – more rotation than just like a small hen. It definitely needed, you know, I had neck down at one point, I had tail down at one point, I had it like surfing on its belly at one point and then flipped right. on over on its back. So um, right, yeah, right. T- tying it up with all those good secure points is definitely a good thing to do. Yeah. Perfect. It does make, okay. um, there are other things out there as well. I know that there are some, uh, there's some attachments um, that you could potentially use that are just like big metal uh, graded balls, basically. So like you just put the whole Turkey in there and then you can hang oh, it. Oh, right. Points. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I think hundred percent twine. Yeah, twine is yeah. definitely easy. Yeah. And it's a great look too. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And if you awesome. got space, tie up some acorn squash on there, tie up some sweet potatoes, tie up that Brussels sprout stock, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it just, it really, I was really impressed with, with the, uh, how the squash all turned out. Cause they were, you know, over there, over the pit for about six hours as well. And then just cutting into them. They made for a really nice side. Um, just add a little bit of seasoning to them. Yeah. yeah my my family, we wrap um, sweet potatoes a lot for Christmas or for Thanksgiving and we'll throw it into the coals and then you can make um, like, you know, a little sweet potato boat casseroles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just, <clears throat> I, I love sweet potatoes because they caramelize so well in the heat. Um, and then you pull, you take the tinfoil off a little bit and then you just stuff it with brown sugar and butter or marshmallows, whatever you want to do. And then you just keep that tinfoil in there. Um, and you put it back into the fire for just a little bit and it'll just kind of melt everything. And then you pull it out and that, that's what we do almost every year. Um, 
so just campfire sweet potato. Um, and then the other fun one is uh, throwing uh, sweet pumpkin in there and charring it up. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. I might end up having to take two or three Phoenix Firefighters. Yeah. <laughs> From the sound of this. <laughs> it de- is a feast deploy. after all. It is. And you want, it, you want it to be like overwhelming. I mean, to be a true uh, you know, American Thanksgiving meal, you want to sit down at the table and be daunted by the array. Yes. Um, so that's the goal. So, And you, you know what? Hang a kettle and fill it with some mold spiced wine as well so that you, know, <laughs> you, you can ladle you some of that as you're cooking out there. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, that gives me plenty to... to, to uh, chew on as it were um gotta get get one in in every episode i'm not doing my job in honor Um, of squatch in honor of squatch yeah um so that's all we have for this round um any final thoughts for either of you guys no, I'm just, I'm now you've got me really excited. I, I've got to go to work this morning and now I want to just stay home and cook. So this weekend, <laughs> this weekend is fortunately a three-day weekend. Um, thank you to all the veterans out there um, who yeah, do so many absolutely. amazing things for us. Happy yeah. Veterans Day to you. And um, yeah, during this three-day weekend, I'm hoping to get get the pits fired up and do some fun more cooking. Yeah, maybe some say, maybe some steak pizza. <laughs> hey, uh, I was about to say, what, are, what do we all have planned uh, for the next just couple of days, maybe cooking-wise? Anything special? Yeah. Dude, my hunting game has been rough. And it's like (laughs) peak rut right now, which is 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 the the like the breeding time of year for white-tailed deer when the bucks are most active. And it's perfect weather. It's November 7th, and I am working. And uh so I'm hoping to get out, hoping to have some success. And dude, I can't get this whole deer asado style out of my head and i was worried about it'd be too late in the year like because derek's coming to december 7th and we're going to do that um but then i was watching francis malman doing lamb in the snow yeah dude. So, like, so, so clearly the the atmospheric temperature being uh, lower doesn't affect it so much that you can't do it um obviously so that was reassuring so venison's on my mind folks it's it's the fall and i have not had any success so far and so uh I'm just stressing out because, yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> Christy, what do you got going on? You know, I, I have to admit, I've got a, I've got a new addiction, and that is TikTok. And I, (laughs) (laughs) so I honestly haven't even thought about the weekend yet. I've been having so much fun making, making videos on TikTok and watching everybody else's videos. So, um, so yeah, so tomorrow's Friday. So, uh, when this episode drops, so by then I'll have my strategy together. I'm sure I've got three freezers full of meat, plenty to choose from, but how about, how about you, Derek? Uh, well, so right now, sadly in Nashville, it's raining. So today I have the day off from cooking, even though normally I do cook in the rain, they just doesn't make as good of videos. Um, so, but this weekend, I actually get to hang out with Kirkland Collins this weekend. Uh, he runs the account, The Grill Revealer. Um, so he's out, uh, he's out in just outside of Huntsville, I believe in Alabama. So he's going to be coming up this weekend uh, and we're going to be doing some fun stuff. Don't know yet, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get something on the Brio uh, going. So yeah, yeah that's all I really want. know. But um, and, and then the only other fun thing is that uh, in, next week I will be headed out to Portland to hang out with the Sasquatch Barbecue. Um, yeah. So we're going to be doing now. Finally, also has his own Phoenix, so you can you don't yes. have to you don't have to 
You don't have to take your 80 pound fire pit and your carry on there. <laughs> well, you just need to make a one that breaks down really easily. Then I can throw it in the throw it in TikTok. the. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I get to hang out with him. We're gonna be doing some uh, adventuring and potentially doing some blend spice stuff. So, Sweet, yeah. nice. Yeah, next weekend I'm headed out to New Orleans actually to the um, National Barbecue Championship competition. And I'll be I'll be covering more barbecue. So yeah, yeah. never it <laughs> never know. stops for you, Christine. It never stops. No, no, we're all so, a bunch of jet setters, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like we all got uh, full weeks. I can't wait for uh, next week's episode. Absolutely, sounds great. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will see you next week.